we did reach out to St. Louis University, a spokesman told us on Friday that the university is aware of the push to rename the library, and beyond that, it doesn't have a comment at this time. You know, one question that um, everyone, every Christian needs to ask himself is, what would Jesus have done? The other thing is, we're not here to, to hang the Pope. We're here to rename the library and to keep the statue and to keep this conversation going. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Laura Hamden, producer for St. Louis on the Air. Before today's episode, I want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. Our team works hard to provide nuance on the news that shapes your life and your community. We wouldn't be able to do this without your support. The money you give to St. Louis Public Radio helps fund our podcast. Please go to stlpr.org slash donate and give an amount that works for you. Your contribution along with that of your neighbors is what fuels St. Louis on the air. We're really grateful. Thank you for your support. When we talk about renaming streets or taking down statues, we're often talking about grappling with racism. It might be a slaveholder or a Confederate general honored by the monument or marker at issue. Increasingly, those honors are being reclaimed as America grapples with its legacy of white supremacy. Nazis and their enablers are far less a part of the discussion here in the U.S., but that is what's now at issue at St. Louis University, and my guests are here to explain why. Tim Bagwell is a St. Louis University graduate. He earned a Ph.D. in public policy analysis and administration at SLU in 2001, and he's also a past president of its College of Public Service Alumni Board. So, Tim Bagwell, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me on. And also joining us today is David Auten. He's a retired associate professor in theological studies and president of the Interfaith Partnership of Greater St. Louis. And he is the author of Jewish-Christian Relations in Light of the Holocaust. David Auten, welcome. Hi, Sarah. Tim, I want to start with you. When did you first notice the name of the library at St. Louis University? Uh, in the 1990s, when I first enrolled there, actually in, in 1989, uh, when I first started attending SLU, and uh, it, um, I knew that the, the the history of the Pope uh, Pope Pius the, the 23rd, excuse me, the 12th, <laughs> was uh, was spotty uh, on the issue of the Holocaust and World War II, and it was always lingering in the background. And I know that there were other people on campus who also uh, were concerned about his legacy. Okay, so this was on your radar. So in the 90s. Okay. Um, David, I'm yeah. curious, the idea of the library being named after this particular pope, and, and as Tim said, a pope who has somewhat of a, a spotty reputation, which we'll get into in, in some great depth, but how is it that St. Louis University came to have a building named after Pius the Twelfth. Well, uh, I th- my understanding is this happened after uh, he died in 1958, and that uh, the um, leaders of the university were looking to uh, try and honor him in that particular way. Did he have any particular connection to St. Louis University that you're aware of? Um, I know that he had, during the 1930s, uh, traveled here to the United States and had come here to St. Louis. Mm. Um, So I'm not sure um, where he actually uh, went during that uh, tour, though. Okay. So he had some, he had at least crossed paths with St. Louis um, at some point, and and then he died, and apparently a building was named after him. Um, Right. 
But it, as Tim mentioned, there's somewhat of this spotty history is, is perhaps what he said. Can you tell us a little bit what, it, what are some of the bigger concerns about uh, Pius XII that, that have been known over time? Well, I can go into uh, some detail uh, about the controversy, but let me just state the controversy. It's known as the silence of the Pope during the Holocaust. Um, not uh, about whether he did or encouraged others to do anything, but rather his silence and not speaking out explicitly and uh, forcefully about what he knew what was going on uh, to uh, European Jews at the time. Okay. And the controversy then is, if he would have spoken out explicitly, uh, would uh, more Catholics in Europe have uh, been uh, hesitant to participate in the genocide against the Jews, and uh, maybe um, less Catholics would have been bystanders when the genocide was going on, and maybe more Catholics might have been involved in actually hiding and protecting Jews, although there were many um, um, Catholic leaders, uh, priests, uh, nuns, and Catholic organizations that did try and rescue a number, uh, many thousands of Jews, in fact. Okay. So people are wondering, could this man have done more, and, and could this have made a big difference if he had, uh, rather than turning to silence? Now, Tim, you say you were aware of that when you were a student at St. Louis University. What prompted you and a handful of other St. Louis University alumni to send a letter to the university about this issue more recently? Well, I, uh, Sarah, I think the, 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 what prompted most were, were some of the activities that were taking place across the country with regards to other uh, statues and institutions. Uh, you know, the, you, you mentioned the Confederate statues at the beginning, mm -hmm. and uh, those were largely in public places, and, um, you know, there was protest. Uh, and this is in a private place, but still an, at issue, uh, honoring someone who uh, may have a history that we don't necessarily want to extend a full uh, the full breadth of the of the honor, now, the statue uh, being on private ground and being a work of art, uh, you know, we think it can stay, but the library should uh, should be renamed, and it's been this uh, it's been these uh, events that have done that have uh, sparked this, and it was just time given that given these events, it seemed a good time to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, something I was just looking into this morning, I'd forgotten about, and that's that Princeton University, which is also private recently renamed the Woodrow Wilson School of Government and, and International Affairs, or is renaming it, in the process of renaming it, and has removed Woodrow Wilson's name. Uh, also for, and Woodrow Wilson did many great things, but he has, especially on issues of race, has, has issues that uh, are, are, are now being reexamined, enough that, the, that Princeton removed his name. That almost seems like a bit of an understatement when it comes to some of Woodrow Wilson's actions um, on race. And, and yes, yes as, as you say, this is something that people are grappling with, um, both in the, the public sector and, and in universities. So it felt like maybe it was time for, for SLU to do the same? I think so. I think so. And I, I think that uh, uh, there are enough people on campus that uh, understand it's an issue, but it's something I think needed to come from the alumni. It's not something that uh, the administration, you know, we're not, as alumni, we're asking the administration to consider it uh, and, and to take it up. Mm -hmm. For them to have originated it, uh, someone might have asked if they had enough work to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Don't they have a pandemic to deal with here at a, a university exactly, to run? Exactly. I understand in your letter, you're asking them to rename this library to honor different Catholic heroes uh, from the period of the Holocaust. Who did you have in mind as, as people they could choose as a better name for this library? There are two people who are uh, both martyrs, and uh, uh, one is a nun from Hungary named Sarah Sakahazi. 
And um, she was uh, murdered by the Austrian Nazi, excuse me, Hungarian uh, Nazi party uh, on December 27, 1944. Uh, she was uh, lined up with uh, with um, um, Jewish women uh, and was um, with a firing squad. Mm-hmm. She had helped many people, many Jewish uh, people escape before that. Um, then there's Eduardo, uh, Eduardo, maybe some people would pronounce, but Eduardo uh, Forcherini, who was an Italian journalist who helped a number of his colleagues and other Jewish uh, Romans and Italians escape through forged documents. Um, he died uh, in Germany in a, in a concentration camp, also on December 27, 1944. Hmm. Both are martyrs, and both are recognized that Yad Vashem as righteous among the nations uh, for people who had given their lives. Uh, or given much, in their case, their lives, in, uh, in in saving Jewish people. So, David Otten, this is some of what you're talking about. Um, and, and I do want to say, I understand you haven't taken a position on whether the St. Louis University Library should be renamed. But but as you were saying, there are some Catholics who behaved heroically uh, right. during the Holocaust. These are a couple examples of, of people who did. Mm-hmm. Another possibility I would suggest is uh, um, that... Pope John Twenty-Third would be considered because he was actually one who helped rescue Jews during the Holocaust. And uh, once he became Pope, he called for uh, the Second Vatican Council to uh, examine the relationship between the Catholic Church and Jews and Judaism. Hmm. And um, so he would be another, um, I think, good good example of someone who tried to promote positive relations between. Uh, uh, Jews and Christians. Okay. Well, Tim, so this sounds like a, a pretty even-handed letter here. You're not you're not coming in guns blazing. You understand they have a lot going on, but and you've made some some ideas of who they could name it for. What kind of response did you get to this letter to St. Louis University? Well, not much from the university yet, and uh, like I said earlier, uh, they uh, I think they're waiting to see what the alumni are going to produce. We have a petition uh, that we're circulating online, and uh, we also have a Facebook page renamed uh, uh, Pope Pius Memorial Pope Pius Twelfth Memorial Library, uh, where that petition is also located. Uh, right now, uh, we're just getting started. We wanted this publicity. Uh, we yours was unexpected, and we're very happy about that. Uh, to get uh, to get the more of the, of the petition going and to present that eventually to the university uh, with uh, with enough names that uh, and enough alumni names to impress them and impress them that, that on the need for change. Um, also, that there's just to get them talking about it and thinking about it, so that they know there's a need elevating the discussion. And what David said is 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 great. Uh, we wanted to start a discussion. We wanted to have nominees to put forward, but also we understood that there would be other there's potential for other nominees like. Um, Pope John the 23rd. Okay. Um, so we did reach out to St. Louis University. A spokesman told us on Friday that the university is aware of the push to rename the library. And beyond that, it doesn't have a comment at this time. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how this process uh, Tim is involved with plays out. Um, and David, I, I do want to go back to you here. Um, in terms of of, uh, of Pius Twelfth here, this, this controversial pope, the silent pope, um, while you haven't taken a position on this library issue, I I understand you are not a fan of the push to canonize him. Um, what do you see as the core of the case against him uh, in terms of sainthood, in terms of being somebody to look up to? Well, um, the whole issue is very complicated, and that's why there have been many Christian and Jewish uh, critics of Pius XII in the Vatican uh, during the Second World War, but also many defenders, many uh, Catholic and Jewish defenders of Pius XII, too. So it's a, a complicated story. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that um, pushing the canonization of Pius XII would um, um, be detrimental to Jewish-Christian relations uh, in light of the controversy of uh, the uh, silence of, of the Pope during the Holocaust. Um, you know, one question that um, everyone, every Christian needs to ask himself is, what would Jesus have done? Mm-hmm. And um, I can't imagine Jesus not speaking out uh, forcefully when he knew, would know that uh, there were millions of people who were being systematically uh, murdered. Uh, but Pius XII uh, was in a different situation. Uh, he uh, had a background as a, a diplomat. He had been the Vatican ambassador to Germany during the 1920s. He was the Secretary of State during the 1930s for the uh, Vatican. And there are two important things I I need to mention as background. Uh, One is that he uh, signed a concordat, or a treaty, with uh, Germany in 1933, shortly after uh, Hitler and the Nazis took over the German government. Mm -hmm. And part of that treaty was that uh, the Nazis would keep the Catholic schools and churches open as long as uh, Catholics, especially Catholic leaders, would not criticize the the Nazis' political decisions. Hmm. Uh, the Vatican had to agree to disband the Catholic Center Party, which could have uh, criticized the Nazi Party, because by that time, then, the Nazi Party was the only party uh, allowed in Germany. It, it became a dictatorship. Now, the reason why that treaty, that concordat, was so important to uh, the Vatican was because of keeping the churches open and allowing the sacraments to be given out to people. Mm-hmm. Because from the Catholic point of view, the sacraments then are the um, means and the ceremonies of grace. And so part of the um, treaty then was to make sure that the Catholic churches and schools would remain open. But of course, I think that painted uh, the Vatican into a corner, because then once the uh, Second World War began, uh, and Pope Pius XII uh, then became, was the Pope from um, 1939 on, he kept to a policy of impartiality or neutrality, that hmm. uh, he kept to the, the treaty to make sure that the uh, uh, Catholic churches would, and schools would remain open, um, and so that became part of the problem. Okay. As far as the, the expression, the silence of the Pope, um, in one way, um, critics say he was silent in the sense that he didn't give an explicit uh, and public condemnation of what he knew the Nazis were doing to European Jews. But on the other hand, uh, in a very diplomatic and guarded way, he did speak out. And one famous example was the 1942 Christmas message mm-hmm. that he gave on the radio. Uh, that message lasted for 27 minutes, but at the very end, uh, he gave 27 words that are, the, uh, are translated this way in English. He said, we need to remember the hundreds of thousands of people who, without any fault of their own, and sometimes because of their nationality or descent alone, have been doomed to death or to progressive extermination. Hmm. Now, the problem with that statement is that it doesn't mention Jews as murder, uh, Jews as victims, and Nazis as murderers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he used the expression "descent" alone, he was referring to the Nazi um, definition of Jews as being a race of people, and progressive extermination. He was referring to the Holocaust that had uh, been taking place um, 
since the Nazis had been persecuting Jews throughout the 1930s and the 1940s. So by Christmas of 1942, uh, the Vatican knew uh, that what the Nazis were up to. They had uh, diplomats and nuncios in all the different uh, countries of Europe. They reported back to the Vatican regularly, and uh, it was known by the, uh, to the Vatican by that time that um, the Nazis had set up death camps in Poland, uh, Auschwitz and other places for the systematic uh, murder of uh, European Jews. And And if I can just interrupt here, uh, we are talking today to retired St. Louis University theologian David Auten. Uh, He's also president of the Interfaith Partnership of of Greater St. Louis. And we're also talking to St. Louis University graduate Tim Bagwell, who'd like to see SLU rename its library. We do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. And and David will continue to share this history with us. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And now back to our conversation. We're talking today to Tim Bagwell. He's a St. Louis University graduate. He earned a Ph.D. in public policy analysis and administration. And he's now calling for the university to begin the process of renaming its library, which is named for Pius Twelfth. We're also joined by David Auten. He's a president of the Interfaith Partnership of Greater St. Louis, and he is a retired theology professor uh, at St. Louis University. Now, David, when I interrupted there right before the break, and I'm, I'm sorry about that, um, but you were going through the history of Pius XII during the period of World War II, and, and you'd gotten us to the point when it was very clear what was happening um, to the Jews. This is something the Vatican knew about. Uh, what happened at that point? Right. Well, and then the next year, in um, October of 1943, uh, the Nazis had occupied uh, many parts of Italy, including the city of Rome, and surrounded the Vatican. And uh, there were in Rome at that time, about 9,600 Roman Jews, and about a 1,000 of them were deported to Auschwitz and murdered. So the rest then were uh, hidden uh, in different uh, churches or convents or monasteries, and some uh, apparently even at the uh, Vatican itself. Okay. Uh, But the Pope decided not again to... um, uh, come out with an explicit and public uh, condemnation of of the Nazis, and uh, the reason for that is uh, twofold. He wanted to try and broker a peace between uh, the uh, Axis and the Allies, and he thought that the Vatican had to remain neutral and impartial in order to do that. And the reason that uh, the Pope gave for why he uh, did not give an explicit and uh, public condemnation. He said he was afraid that a public protest would make things worse uh, for Jews and for Catholics throughout Europe, and that a public protest would actually harm the rescue efforts by Catholic leaders and organizations. Hmm. So the question, uh, historical debate, of course, since then is whether things could have been worse for uh, European Jews, because uh, over uh, approximately six million were murdered uh, during the Second World War. But this is a, a calculation that uh, Pius XII made. His whole training had been in diplomacy, and I think he had a blind faith in, as a diplomat that somehow uh, that um, uh, with 
by working behind the scenes and working in a diplomatic way uh, that he could lessen the effects of the Holocaust. But again, as I mentioned, the, the debate is whether speaking out uh, would have had consequences for the um, many Catholics in, in Germany. There were uh, 40 million uh, German Catholics. There were, of course, um, um, Catholics throughout all of Europe. And uh, whether the Nazis then would have retaliated against uh, uh, German Catholics and other Catholics and even retaliated against the Vatican itself. Hmm. Uh, there was a, a, a plan at one time uh, whether the, uh, the Nazis would even kidnap the Pope. Uh, but they didn't follow through with that because, of course, uh, the uh, um, Pope and the Vatican did not explicit, uh, uh, issue an explicit condemnation. So uh, I don't think Pius XII was anti-Semitic. I don't think he was uh, cold and indifferent to the sufferings of European Jews and other civilians who suffered during the Second World War. But as the um, head of the Holy See, the government of the Vatican, he made the decision to remain neutral. Hmm. And part of that neutrality, he thought, was to not uh, publicly embarrass or condemn the Nazis and to keep, uh, to follow the concordat, the treaty that he had signed with Nazi Germany back in 1933. So we've heard from a number of listeners about this. Uh, one of them, John, writes by email, this controversy over Pope Pius XII is insane because he was very much against the Nazi regime. He personally pinned letters against them as a cardinal. And then as Pope, he had 40 bishops in Europe write letters to Hitler telling him that they knew what he was doing to the Jewish people. So in response, Hitler took 40,000 Jews from the controlled areas of Europe and sent them to concentration camps. His famous encyclical is more than likely what led to his death, being murdered by either Nazi sympathizers or actors from inside the Italian government. Did he do enough? Probably not. But it's really easy to sit back Monday morning, quarterback a man who had to deal with Adolf Hitler in person. Um, Tim, Bias was dealing with some extraordinarily difficult times. Is there anything you can point to where this is something where you feel uh, you feel better about the guy than some of these other actions that we've been talking about that, that have uh, spurred this letter? Uh, what I would say, leadership is complex in, in any situation, uh, the head of state uh, and, and uh, positions such as the uh, foreign minister. Uh, it's a complex situation and, and many, de many decisions get made within the context of history and, and cultural uh, institutional constraints. Mm -hmm. uh, but he kind of tips his hand in the 1950s uh, when the issue of uh, Jewish orphans who had been saved by Catholic families, uh, and in so doing had been, went through conversion and baptism, uh, but whose um, uh, relatives, surviving relatives, and in particular case in France of Robert and Gerald Finale, uh, the, uh, the relatives, the surviving relatives, one of these, one of these two boys back, uh, but the uh, local um, uh, nuns and monks who had helped uh, save these two boys, wanted to keep them and wanted to keep them as Catholic mm -hmm. and with the family that had, uh, that had saved them. Uh, this was a, uh, very controversial in France and in the French courts. And the, uh, the, the, the new archives that have been released indicate the Pope's, uh, uh, the Pope's support of its very old uh, church uh, position of if you've been 
uh, if you've been baptized uh, into the into the Catholic Church, you are now a Catholic, and we can take you from your home, which happened in the 1850s with the Mortara case. And here it is, 1953, and he's continuing this policy, which should have been enlightened by that time, I would have hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, and, now, and as you say, hand, those, my, are, those are some new revelations. Um, we're, we're learning some things about Pius XII that, that people didn't previously know. And, and as you say, people, people feel like this is a pretty big stain on his record. Um, uh, the other thing is, I'm not, we're not here to, to hang the Pope. <laughs> we're here to rename a library and to keep the statue and to keep this conversation going, because actually, the, compare the, the, the complexities of a Catholic leader in the most stressful of times mm-hmm. with those of the, uh, of the faithful in the, uh, in, in the lives of Salcahazi and, and Fortuny is a great conversation for people learning about uh, learning on, on the campus of St. Louis University. And Tim, is that why you're in favor of keeping this statue that's on the campus of St. Louis University, even as you're calling to rename the library? Uh, that's a big part of it. And it is a work of art. It is not a uh, mass produced a member of the Confederate statues are mass produced uh, and not really, uh, I don't think qualified as, as, as art. Uh, whereas this is a, this was commissioned uh, by St. Louis university by, uh, uh, by an artist. This artist, by the way, it actually had met the Pope during the war. Hmm. And um, yeah, the, and the artist actually, uh, his first wife was Jewish and her family was killed during the Holocaust. So there's, there's an interesting connection. Uh, history is remarkable complex, as David was pointing out. And uh, so it, uh, we're not here to condemn the Pope as much as we are to say, for St. Louis University moving forward, it's good to have other examples mm-hmm. that uh, that we can have conversations about. And in this, I think, more progressive era, uh, especially Sarah Sagahazi, uh, to talk more about uh, the role of women in the church and the, war, uh, the role of, of women in history. Um, we, we do want to say we heard from a caller. Uh, Meredith called in to suggest a historical novel about World War II era Italy. She says it does a great job of recounting how Catholics felt and how Jewish people survived during that time. It's called Mary Doria Russell's. It's called Thread of Grace, if you're interested in, in that book, Thread of Grace. And unfortunately, we're, we're running short on time here. David, I want to give the last question to you here. As, as president of the Interfaith Partnership of Greater St. Louis, what do you hope people take from this mixed legacy of, of Pope Pius XII? Well, I can just speak generally that Interfaith Partnership for many years has tried to uh, have dialogue and conversations uh, between people of all different religions. And this particular uh, topic is something that Jews and Christians and uh, other groups uh, have been uh, involved in for a long time. Uh, Also, I've been associated with the St. Louis Holocaust Museum and um, this topic, of course, comes up often. Um, but what I hope that would come up is that um, a conversation would uh, continue at St. Louis University about this question, and part of uh, responding to that should be a book that a professor at St. Louis University in the History Department wrote a number of years ago called Pius XII and the Holocaust, Understanding the Controversy. Okay. And that is by Professor Jose Sanchez. Well, that is, a, that is a great recommendation there. We will make sure to get information about that on our website for people who want to know more. Um, and David Auten, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And Tim Bagwell, uh, thank you for joining us. And then please keep us up to date on these efforts. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. 
and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.